What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Overseas Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Owens. We have the Loot Mogul gang in town today uh, on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Loot Mogul, we've talked uh, with Corsley before about Loot Mogul. Now we got the gang on. Uh, they're gonna we're gonna be doing a lot a collaboration with Luke Mogul, bringing on a lot of fun guests, bringing on a lot of people, telling a lot of stories, uh, but also showing the world what Luke Mogul is. So this is the initial Luke Mogul show, but we are going to uh, hit on uh, mainly some questions, and our main star today is going to be LG Gill. Uh, LG Gill is a uh, basketball player, played overseas. Started his career at Duquesne, then went to Maryland, uh, then played in the G League. Pretty much the same. I feel like the, it's like that same trajectory of basketball players. You got you give that you got to give that G League a hit first, and then you you know once that you realize that you're not making any goddamn money, you just head overseas. <laughs> so LG. Uh, so let's just get everyone introduced. Uh, uh, Raj Rashkodia is our you know. Major, major loop mogul man. Uh, you know, he's he's running the show, and uh, we have Raj with us today. We also have Corsley, who we've had on the show before. Also, you know, the big players in the loop mogul game, uh, and we're excited to have them on today. So, everyone, first off, let's just welcome. How are we doing today? Doing good, man. Thanks for uh, having us on here, man. It's, uh, I look forward to this, man. Appreciate it. Good times, good times. Uh, this is going to be a like we said, this is a family. This is a collaboration that we're going to be uh, using and uh, exploring a lot of what Loop Mogul does. A lot of the uh, people that we have with Loop Mogul. So LG, we're going to jump into you because, like you said, you are still kind of like involved. Me and Course, like we're we're old heads. Like we're not, we're the, we're the guys who just, you know, live vicariously through the younger guys now, because you still are able to get out there and play. So uh, let's take us through your story. Uh, you started your career off at Duquesne, uh, then ended up transferring to Maryland. Uh, when you made that decision, was that a hard decision? Cause we'd like to talk in the show about the transfer portal and you know course and i were talking beforehand we spent four years at our schools and there was times when you know there could have been a transfer you could have you were you were you know there's temptation and stuff to go uh it was a different world back then because you had to sit out and stuff now it's more open so take us through that when your decision when you were at duquesne you're like you know what Maryland, like who wouldn't want to play at Maryland College Park? It's awesome. So take us through that decision when you decided to go from uh, Duquesne to Maryland. All right. So I'm going to answer that. I'm going to jump back to just me being in high school first before I answer that. So like me being, um, I went to Benedictine High School uh, in Richmond, Virginia. It's a Catholic military, um, all boys school, you know, and um, in Virginia, it's just always been known as like, you know, a top basketball school, like in the Richmond city, you know what I'm saying? And we would get state championships, you know, one after the, one after the next, if not, you know what I'm saying? Every other year, like it's always been a basketball school. So I always knew I wanted to go play for them, like growing up watching them. Um, but it was a grind, though, you know what I'm saying? So I had to really work my way up. Um, like, so with that being said, like I really only played like one year of high school basketball. You know what I'm saying? I was my senior year, freshman year. Um, played JV sophomore year. I got I got hurt going into my sophomore year. Ended up playing JV again. 
junior year, I was getting like very limited minutes behind guys that, you know, that were being recruited by all these different types of schools. So probably playing not even like 10 minutes my junior year. So for me going into it, I always was like an underdog. You know what I'm saying? So like I always had that chip on my shoulder. Like I got something to prove. Like, you know, I could have went to a, a local public school and been that guy, but it's always me seeing that bigger picture. Like, although my time is not, it's not right now, I know it's coming. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of stuck with that route, stuck with that, you know, that, um, that blueprint. And that's kind of like, the foundation of my entire basketball career. Like I always see the bigger picture when I'm stepping into something, you know what I'm saying? So like at Benin 18, I worked my way up to the top and I just stayed patient and patient and patient. And as I got to my senior year, I ended up, um, that was my best year ever. Like we ended up winning the state championship, played with guys. Um, I mean, our whole starting five went division one, played with guys like um, Nick Capola, Nick Gorski, uh, Robert Johnson and went to Indiana. Um, Chris Lane, Raymond Miner that played football, Cleveland Farrell, he's a draft pick, played for the uh, Oakland Raiders, um, plays for them right now. Like we had a we had a team full of athletes. So um, I kind of just kept that same blueprint. So when it was time to go to college, I was just like a late bloomer, you know? So by the time you were a senior, most guys have already kind of like, you know, like they know they're going to college junior year, they got scholarships, you know, they five star, four, four star, whatever it is, like on their recruiting uh, portfolios or whatever. But for me, it wasn't the case, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so I had to keep grinding. And with my offers, I got like a lot of low major offers, like a lot of low major offers, but for myself, I wanted more for myself. Um, but none, none of the A-10 schools in my city, like Richmond, VCU, they never threw me a scholarship, you know what I'm saying? For me, another chip on my shoulder, I'm like, I'm right here in the city, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I have a lot that I can offer on on at that level, you know, at that mid-major level. And then I know that I can see myself playing at a high-major level too, you know what I'm saying? So I always saw the vision. So um, when the Duke came, offer came, I saw they were at the bottom of the A-10 at the time, but I saw it as an opportunity for me to showcase my skills. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I get to go at VCU. I get to go out at Richmond. I get to go at St. Bonnie's. I get to go at Dayton. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys that Rhode Island was really good. St. Louis was top 10 in the country my freshman year. You know what I'm saying? So I saw it and um, I just, like I said, I just always stay focused on just running my own race. You know what I'm saying? Although like it, it took longer, but it's it, everything starts to play out, you know? So that Duquesne offer, I took it and kind of just ran with it. The first, first year was rough, you know what I'm saying? It got better towards the end a little bit, but then as far as me making that decision um, to want to like transfer, um, I just feel like I, I just kind of wanted a little bit more for myself, what I was putting in. I feel like I wanted to give myself that chance to get that real exposure, that college experience, you know what I'm saying? Like at Maryland, it was, it was crazy, you know? And um, so, yeah, I just kind of just set myself up for, just seeing that I could play at that level. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, I think uh, what you hit on when you said running, running your own race is, is something that a lot of young people need to hear because we have this world where if you're not starting by your sophomore year, you're not on this top AU team. I see it even with, you know, my, my daughter, you know, it's like, oh, if you don't make this team by this age. And I'm like, I didn't start. I was the same as you. Like, we, of course, and I talked it. like, we were all kind of late bloomers. And we really started developing as we got older. And uh, for for people in this day and age to think that this is only, your, your only shot is to be good at a young age. And if you can't, then you're just going to, like, quit. I think, you know, what you just talked about really showed that if you just keep going and keep going, uh, things are going to get a lot better. 
And uh, you're living proof of that. And I think that's awesome. So when you got to College Park, that's got to be a fun experience uh, because it's college. It's one of the most famous places uh, to play college basketball. You have like Cameron and things like that. But College Park has its own unique. The fans are crazy. I know. I played against Maryland. Uh, I've had my one of my closest friends went to Maryland and was the biggest, loudest person cursing me out in the game. So I know that the fans at College Park are intense. How is that? Take us through going into Maryland and what you experienced going from Duquesne to, you know, a crowded environment like that. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was great. You know, um, you know, Xfinity, man, it's like the energy and Xfinity on, on game, especially a conference game is is different. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you, you walk in there, you walk out the tunnel and it's like instantly you just feel that energy. You know what I'm saying? And coming from Duquesne, we didn't have the greatest fan base. You know what I'm saying? We were a, a rebuilding program, you know what I'm saying? For the time that I was there, you know, so we're trying to get fans to come in and see us play and make the game more of like a, you know what I'm saying? Game day environment and get us amped up. Cause I mean, it is true. Like players feed off of the the fans, you know, like that home court advantage, like is everything, especially like when you got guys like really passionate about the game, you know what I'm saying? So bringing that fire uh, from the fans is only going to make the, the players, you know what I'm saying, play better. So when I got to to Maryland, like the first games, like, you know, I, I think it's like, like what, roughly like eight, 18,000 or something that Xfinity holds, something like that. And just seeing it, you know what I'm saying? With all the different Maryland colors, the yellow, the red, the white. Like, it was it was crazy, but it just makes you want to go out there and just, like, just have a great game and just, you know what I'm saying? Like, give the fans what they want and just do something exciting, get a, get a nice alley-oop or something and turn up one time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. And it's, 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 it's cool because I got to experience, like, literally having, like, five people in the stands or some game at a home game. Like, I, like my freshman year, it'd be, like, eight people in the stands. And they all like the, you know, like real, like they they all were like the, you know, like donors or whatever. And it's like, dang, like we got to bring some more people in to watch us play. Like, you know what I'm saying? To get this thing turned around, um, which it did. It started to slowly kind of turn around. But then in the end, like I said, when I made the decision to go to Maryland, it was just, it was crazy, man. Just seeing all those fans, man, it's, there's nothing like it. It's funny because I you think about, you look at the NBA playoffs even, and uh, not to jump into the NBA playoffs, but I feel like, you know, watching, being f- close to Philadelphia and seeing the Sixers up close every, you know, all season, they kind of fed off the fans. And it's wild because when the, the Miami game, it's like five minutes before tip-off. Now they sell that place out, but people don't show up until like midway through the first quarter. And I, it's like a weird thing that Miami's able to almost play with, that like lack of fan support in the beginning they're like almost thrive off that and other teams just kind of start really flat there uh so it's funny that that Miami Miami was packed versus Boston because I think once they got the East Conference Finals they're like all right let's pack this place but I think what you're saying is like that fandom like having those those fans really jump all over everything you're doing uh, and really supporting you is great. So it's funny that some teams are able to almost get used to that beginning of the game where there's no fans there, knowing that they're going to show up and like having that in their arsenal to be like, yeah, it's going to be a quiet game until they show up. And by that time, we're going to be kicking your ass. Now, you then end up at the G League. Uh, you know, we talked about this, Corsley and I play, both played in the G League. G League 
how would you compare that? I think about what the G League was and what it's become. How would you compare the G League to what you were experiencing in Maryland? Um, so the G League, um, it's kind of like the same thing, kind of like what I just what I just hit on as far as like the fan engagement and like you really got to build yourself up some nights and really find that, you know what I'm saying, that inner drive, man, because you you might be playing the NBA arena and there really might not be nobody watching the game. You know what I'm saying? But you got to understand the bigger picture. Like, look, I'm going against NBA guys every day and everybody got a chip on their shoulder. Everybody in that league believes that they should be in the league, you know? So you out there competing, you know what I'm saying? Not only against yourself to be the best person that you can be, you know what I'm saying? The best version of yourself you can be, but these guys are really trying to uh, make the league. You know, everybody wants that as a basketball player. So you need G League, that's the, you know, that's the that's the best league, you know what I'm saying, to get to as far as like being having the exposures be right in front of the scouts every day. You know what I'm saying? NBA guys on your team, two-way players now. They're, you know, they're also like we're part of the NBA teams. You got uh, what do you call it? Um, you got your exhibit 10 guys that go to training camp. Like these are guys that have that NBA experience. You know what I'm saying? You got some vets that come back and play. So I mean, it's it's a hell of an experience, man. And like, like when I was at Maryland, it's also tied into Maryland because when I got to Maryland, like, so my whole career, I played like stretch forward three, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of three, stretch forward mainly. And I got to Maryland, I had to play the five, you know what I'm saying? That was like, for me, it's like, I ain't never played the five before, you know, but it was something like, all right, coach, need me to play the five. All right, I'm going to learn how to play the five then, you know what I'm saying? Like, because that's what they thought was the best for the team at the time, you know what I'm saying? For me, like, I'm not going to lie, it was, it was frustrating, you know what I'm saying? But things worked out later, you know what I'm saying? So it's seeing that bigger picture, like not putting my head down, but kind of just doing, controlling what I can control, not knowing that a year later when I leave college, you know what I'm saying? A G League team, which was a Charlotte, I mean, a um, Greensboro Swarm, they needed a small, a big, they wanted to go small. And I'm like, dang, look at God. Like he set me up to really be in this position. Like I was mad, you know what I'm saying? In college, having a place, trying to figure out this new position, not knowing that it was going to open up and be the start of my professional career later. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I met course. You know, he was my coach in Greensboro, you know, and he was teaching me different uh, the ways because he knew, like, you know, I'm out of position. Like, you know what I'm saying? So every day I'm working out with course. He put me through workouts before the game, after the game, off days, you know, showing me like, yo, like, yo, like you versatile, like you can play this position. You know what I'm saying? And I was able to start. And nobody thought with my stats coming out of Maryland, like I think I averaged like three points or something like that because I really wasn't playing like that towards the end. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to take a back seat as a senior, you know? So like trying to find that professional, you know what I'm saying? That professional basketball career was like, for me, it was like, damn, like what am I going to do? Like how am I going to get overseas offer? I have three points. Like, you know what I'm saying? All right. Like, but it's just kind of like knowing your worth. And, you know, I took a, a leap of faith, went to some workouts, went to the uh, training camp. And killed training camp. I had probably one of the best dunks in my career at the G League, uh, Charlotte. I mean, Greensboro Swarm. Uh, it was like a um, a private trial. It was the best dunk of my career. You know what I'm saying? Like I went baseline and went up. The guy tried to block it. I went on the other side of the rim and I punched it like that. And like it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? I was doing things that I didn't even think I was like capable of doing. But I was just like, no, nah, I got to make this team. You know what I'm saying? So. I had a great performance. They called me a few days later, like, yo, we want you to become a training camp. And then, like, everything just, like, I didn't stress about it. I just put it in God's hand, prayed about it, and then the opportunity just came. And that's the biggest thing about being a pro is, like, are you going to be ready when your opportunity is called? Like, everybody wants to be 
uh, a pro. Like, man, like, I'm waiting on my agent, waiting on my agent. But, like, are you ready when the opportunity presents itself? Like, are you standing in shape? Are you eating healthy? Taking care of your body? Because when that, like, and you know, like, it might just be one quick phone call today and you out tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you've been asking for that. So, but are you ready for it if it's given to you in that time? So, I think for me, that's what I kind of set myself on is always being, always be, anybody that knows me knows I'm in tip top shape at all times. Like, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was, I think that was, that's, oh, no, like 100%. That's, uh, that's a lesson for all overseas athletes because you are so right when you say that, you know, you have no idea when things are going to come. I mean, even throughout my career, there's been uh, a call the day before, and like, hey, you have to, this NBA team wants you to work out with them. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, you, so just making sure, I mean, we're talking about like June and July when your kind of season just ended and you want that break. Like we, I always think about like NBA players like that. I know, you know, Doc Rivers is talking about Maxi's like calling him and he's like, no, you need to get away from the game for a few weeks. Like we don't have that. Like we'll come home and it's like, we'll have like a few days and then it's like, you better get back ready because if you're not ready, we, we're not at that level where it's like, okay, you know, you can get a break because you have a contract for next year. We're fighting contract to contract and you have to be ready at all times. I think that's a great lesson for overseas athletes or, you know, G League guys, like be ready at all time. And kind of talking about being ready at all times, uh, we're going to talk, we're going to go in the little transition into, uh, you're already starting to think about post-career stuff, which is incredible, and and setting yourself up for things that are you're going to do post-career, which is where kind of Loop Mogul comes in because you've – come into contact and, and grown uh, within Loot Mogul uh, with Corsley and Raj. And now you are part of this team where you have this huge platform, this huge metaverse uh, with influencers. Uh, and it's a really cool opportunity. And you've kind of set yourself up while you're still, you know, a playing, playing basketball, which is just incredible to me. So take us through your transition uh, where you kind of went and you're like, all right, I'm going to keep this going, but I'm also going to, you know, jump into this. Yeah. I mean, I think the the most important thing, especially for like players that aren't at that NBA level and getting that NBA money coming in. So like your overseas guys and your GB guys, those tweener type guys. Um, I think the, the best thing is really trying to get that side hustle or have some type of money coming in. Cause you know, like, a lot of guys go to the G League, it's like, what, five months? And, you know, like, I think it's supposed to be, um, I mean, you're getting a decent amount of money for the five months, but, you know, it's not anything that you're going to really live off of, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you have a family, if you have, you got bills and all, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you got to make that decision to, like, you have to really love basketball to be in that, that, that G League, in that type of, you know what I'm saying, affiliated with it. So, um I just feel like, um, like if you do, if you, I feel like G, the G League is, man, like it gives you the opportunity to like network with a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like by me being, becoming a part of Loop Mogul, I've been able to like do basketball, meet so many different people that like I can connect with and like, look, man, like you don't have to just play basketball to set yourself up and set your family up, 
You know what I'm saying? Like you can start your side hustle. You know what I'm saying? And I think through like, so through Lou Mobile, you know, I've been able to um, set myself up and and earn some money, you know, while I'm, I'm not playing this year, you know, and I think that's huge because now that I have this connection, um, as I'm going into my next season, it's like, okay, cool. Like you get paid. I can save this money from when I'm playing and I can still be making money through Lou Mogul and I can live off Lou Mogul and then whatever other side hustle I have coming in, you know what I'm saying? The goal is to have like five, six, seven streams of income. You know what I'm saying? And it's just having the same mindset that we put towards basketball of grinding and being ready at all times for the opportunity. It's the same principle that, that applies to life because we all learn from the pandemic you one job is really scarcely close to like having no job at all. You know what I'm saying? So you only got one job and that's it. And it's gone. Like bills don't stop. You know what I'm saying? You still got to take like, you know, I have a daughter now. So it's like, you know, I want to be able to set her up, make sure she's good. You know what I'm saying? That's my responsibility. Nobody else's, you know what I'm saying? So I got to make sure that I'm building my empire up and leaving my legacy for her. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in and learn anything I can possibly to, to do that, you know, and um, I've been blessed, you know, just by having that genuine connection through knowing Corsley as my coach. And he knew that I was a solid guy, hard worker. You know, like I said, things just fall in your lap when you don't worry about it. I, he just happened to hit me up. I'm like, yo, L, like, what's good? Like, I'm with this company, Lou Mogul. Explained it to me. We talked. We met up. I came up to Baltimore, sat down with him, ate. We talked about it. And I'm like, yeah, like, I, I love to do that. You know what I'm saying? And it's really been the best thing that I I could have I, I could I could have done honestly because just in the small amount of time that I've been with the company like the amount of people that I'm getting like in connection with like is is ridiculous you know and that's one of the things I wanted to highlight through Lou Mogul too like obviously we can get into the to more on the business side I don't know Roger's going to talk about that but just from a networking standpoint like you're in network with somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. And we all know that business is not necessarily about what you know, it's about who you know and how they can help you. You know what I'm saying? And how you can help each other, you know? And I, Lou Mogul is a big family. So whatever you need, it's like, we got it, <laughs> you know? So it's been a huge blessing to me, man. I love the the side hustle. The side hustle is something that, that even, big time athletes, big time, you know, NBA guys, they're still having their side hustles because we always talk about like, there's just, I just, I just think as athletes, we've resigned ourselves to the fact that not, like you said, LG, nothing's going to last forever. And you're, you're this close to having the best job in the world, but you're also this close to having no job at all. And I think with that mindset that we've developed, even in retirement, I know Course and I, like, we're constantly grinding, we're constantly hustling, we're constantly doing that. It's something that was kind of almost put into our minds uh, through this process. And it's the same thing. Like, I'm never going to stop grinding. I'm never going to stop those side hustles and those hustles and things like that, because you want to create and create and build and build and build. And uh, it's like wild, because I just think my mind works differently now than it did when I was younger. Like I'm kind of, I'm like, okay, I have this thing. I have this thing. I have this thing. And people I know are like, dude, what are you, you're like all over the map. I was like, yeah, man, like, this is just what it is. <laughs> like, this is how we do it. And of course, I know you can speak to this. Cause you know, when you came into loop mogul, it's, you know, the same thing where you're coaching, you're doing these things. And then you kind of got in. So take us through course, your, uh, introduction and grow, come up in, in Loop Mogul. 
So, like, my introduction came off of my, my good friend Raj. I call him my brother now. He's a family member now. You know, we had family functions. He's invited children being born. He's invited everything. So, you know, we, um like, Raj and I connected through social media on a platform, and he reached out to me, and he told me, he said, hey, I got an idea. And then he said, could you help me with this? Because I was a professional athlete. So that benefited for me as being a professional athlete, where Raj seen that I played as an athlete. And he said, well, we can create a platform for sports trivia. And then uh, Raj hit me and said, hey, can you do 250 questions for me? I said, yeah, no problem. Let's square that out. You know, I sent him off. You know, he sent me a nice uh, data sheet to put the questions, answers, and everything on. And from that moment, it was like, you know, it was like a match made in heaven because it was like he was like he had a he, he was humble enough to come to me and I was humble enough to go back to him. You know, I wasn't I wasn't an arrogant, stuck up person saying, OK, like, okie dokie coming, you know, somebody send me messages, whatever, you know, I really was looking for that. Like LG said, you know, piggyback off of him, like it's just being patient and waiting on your time. And, you know, Raj came to me at the right time because I was like, I had a whole bunch of things going on from coaching. Do I want to go back to the NBA coach? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And, you know, and I just like, I see a bigger vision, you know, for me, not just being into the NBA field. Like I said, I can create this business and help build a brand and become one of the top brands in the world. And Raj and I discussed it and was like, hey, we can do this. Um, like I remember, I was like, man, we can create – like a, 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 a store on the website and Raj and I was like, you know, I got basketball cards. I got, you know, my jerseys, whatever for sale, whatever. And Raj like, Hey man, you heard about NFTs. And from that day forward, like I've been in the NFT space and it was probably like a year and a half ago where Raj hit me. It was like, Hey man, like we can create NFTs and you can sell NFTs and you know, you can put it on our store and we're going to just create a whole platform and be able to create NFTs and all this type of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. After I seen how lucrative it was and how the space it was, I said, man, Raj was like, come on, of course, like I'm going to make sure we do this together, you know? And like, that's one thing about Raj. Like he's a great, he's the greatest nerd I've ever met in my life. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no point, no, no disrespect to nerds, you know, but like, he's, he's a really, really great humbling guy. And when you see him and when you're around him, you can feel his presence. It's not just a regular person. You know what I mean? Like he's destined to do what we're doing here at Loot Mogul. And, you know, that's what got me included into Loot Mogul because, you know, as playing a professional athlete, you'd be around a lot of hard head, knucklehead type of people. You don't really have that 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 stability of a person around you. You know, you got friends. Hey, let's go to the club. Let's go pop bottles. Let's do this. Blah 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 blah. And then, but you got a guy like Ross saying, "Hey, man, we're family oriented. We're married. You know, we got to break this thing down and let's let's lay it all out and then see what we get at the end." And you know, like I feel like it's a rainbow. You know, at the end of that rainbow, it's a lot of pots of gold at this on this loop mogul aspect. So. You know, I, that's, that's, that's why I, me and Raj been sticking since day one. So that's why I got him, you know, involved with Luke Mogul and putting my ideas and bringing, you know, athletes in as LG and, you know, um, just other players as Rick Barry's and, you know, Lisa Leslie's and George Marisons and 
Mario Chalmers, Carlos Boozers, we brought all these guys onto the platform through the fact that, you know, I know these guys personally and these guys are humbling people. And I know they don't have really that kind of like that basis under them for somebody to look out for them. So I thought that this platform Luke Mogul would be best for them. So Raj, this journey of Luke Mogul, we kind of, you know, of course went into the whole, you know, how you guys connected and how you started growing this. So take us through the the process of Loot Mogul, what it entails for the listeners so they can get hooked up and uh, start, you know, using Loot Mogul to play. Yeah. So, yes. The, so just to you add what Coarsely said about the journey, right? So Coarsely is, uh, as I say, he's, he's not only my brother, but he's part of family, right? So uh, we started with ideation factor, right? So we, we were literally throwing ideas like what Cameo was doing back then with just shout outs and all those. I said, no, there has to be something more for athletes. So everything we do is for sports and entertainment, especially around NBA players, NFL players, and so forth. But what we want to do is that we create their persona and avatar or metaverse character, think about that in a, in a true digital world. And really, while you are playing, start at LG set, start creating your future in this metaverse. Because when you're playing right now, you may start collecting a lot of uh, accolades. You may even um, attend many events. All those uh, activities are becoming your collectibles and people and those collectibles can be minted on NFTs. And then those NFTs can be sold for millions of dollars, right? So it's not just thousands, sometimes it's millions of dollars. So building that presence in the metaverse is almost the one analogy that I use is from Binance.us CEO, Brian Schroeder. Uh, his analogy was uh, early during the, the 1990s, if a company or a brand or a sports athlete, especially sports athlete, um, doesn't have a website, right? Talking about his personal, then you become slowly and gradually irrelevant. Same thing with companies. In back in uh, then 2000, if you cannot do the e-commerce transaction as a company or as a brand, to monetize uh, from your fans, then you're becoming irrelevant. So there was web 1.0, then they came web 2.0. The, for athletes, uh, it's really critical whether you are current, whether you are retired, whether you're upcoming to you. So we have 1.5 million college athletes that we are onboarding. Uh, it's really relevant for you to be in on a web three presence. So the web one was good from a website perspective, web two was e-commerce, web three is all about metaverse and creating your, your character, right? Creating your entire collection of NFTs, especially in, an, uh, in a metaverse that is dedicated to sports athletes. Because you don't want to be like, uh, uh, there are other platforms, as you may know, uh, that you create NFTs, it may or may not sell. Uh, you, there's no fan engagement. There is no really a loyalty that you'll get from other platforms. While with Loot Mogul, we are building a community. And also to be humble and being honest, we are just, just starting, right? It's, it's a year and a half of hardcore development that the team did with Coursely and myself and many other people. And now with LG and you, Kevin, and many others, we are now really scaling this platform. We are really going live. Um, so, so from an athlete perspective, especially for your audience that are listening, uh, it's very critical to have a Web3 presence. And right now, fortunately or unfortunately, we are the only game in town for the sports metaverse. Uh, 
Uh, there are other metaverses that you can be part of. If you are a musician, if you are a, a, a an actor, for example, there are other metaverses that you can be part of. Part of. But um, join some community to generate this lifetime income. So because anytime NFT is being sold, right? It's like your record record music album. Uh, NFT generates lifetime royalties. So it's not just the one the first time somebody is going to buy it. Next time somebody sells or buys that NFT you get royalty from it. So as an athlete, you want to, again, I use LG as an example. What he just said is you to have multiple streams. And this is also from a financial perspective. Warren Buffett said the same thing. Always have two, three, four income streams. And, and you generate that. In, some income streams may become your main check, like Loot Mogul can become your primary check, or it can become a, a ancillary income that pays for your daughter's school. That pays for... Uh, many other uh, activities in your life. So start creating that uh, income revenue stream. And we, we as truly are, all of us that are the loot mogul champs are focused on that particular aspect for your community. And course, you kind of mentioned some of the athletes that are going to be part of loot or that are part of loot mogul and are some of the personalities on, on uh, loot mogul. So take us through, you mentioned Lisa, Leslie, Carlos Boozer, uh, you know, some big name, big name athletes are already part of Loop Mogul. So take us through, you know, those connections and how they're building their brand on Loop Mogul. So, so those guys um, individually, you know, they have their own businesses and their own, you know, things that they're doing as far as real estate and clothing lines and uh, podcasts and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like guys are really having and bringing them different streams of income in. So, you know, with 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 a Carlos Boozer, you know, he just graduated from college, you know, graduation, my man Carlos Boozer. Um, he's able to bring in his family and show his family how to create on this new Web3 presence. Um, he's showing his family members and those family members are telling family members to get on this Web3 presence as far as like the sports athletes and all that type of stuff. And these guys are wanting, having that grind that we started off in the beginning of our, our podcast, you know, he, they have that grind as well. So like Raj, I'm going to piggyback off of Raj, like you might be able to want to send your school through the loop mobile aspect, you know what I mean? And be able to you know, onboard your children and show them who wants to be athletes. Like you can start your branding now where the parents who've been working their behinds off, like me and you, KO, you know what I mean? Like to try to take care of our kids where the guys who's already on that higher level, they won't have to, you know, be so concerned about when they their kids get older. You know what I mean? Because everybody know your money doesn't last forever. You know what I mean? Unless you set it up and put it in the right places. But, you know, we we at Loot Mogul want to make sure that every athlete is getting their respect due. Um, the high end to the lower end, like like Rod said, we got 1.5 million kids on board now. You know, we're giving them that ability to build build a brand for themselves, and who knows, it might be the next Michael Jordan or the next LeBron James who signs up. You're giving these kids that opportunity now to start making revenue for themselves. And another thing, just off topic, like the NIL deals, we're creating NIL deals for all of the other kids who might go to Tennessee or Kentucky who's getting the uh, big, 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 big NIL deals, do sending them a million dollars for this and doing that. So what about the rest of the guys on the bench? Like, we don't want to leave anybody absent. 
You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be president. Everybody wants to be in the now. And being able to join on the Loot Mogul gives all of our um, influencers and people options to grow their brand right now. You know, we don't know what everybody can do. Everybody has some type of hidden talent somewhere, you know, and you can sell your hidden talent. You get what I mean? And people be like, oh, wow, like, we have a Kamai. What's his name, LG? Stokes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I went to uh, Kansas State. Yeah, like, dudes just have different, like, you know, attributes about themselves that you'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about you. You know what I mean? And, and on our platform and all our influencers, they'll be able to talk to a Lisa Leslie or Carlos Boozer and, and be able to relate to people that on this sports influence-based platform to be able to create for themselves, man. Like, I, I get excited talking about it, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's fun every day I get to talk about influencers and loot moguls and metaverse and crypto and NFTs and, like, it's a whole, but as you think about every name, that's a different stream of income coming in, you know what I mean? So that's the best part about it. <laughs> It's it's gonna it's incredible, and I know Raj. We had talked about you know the global impact of uh, something like Loop Mogul and how this is not just a lot of people look at you know side hustles and you're kind of like oh well it's you know strictly this country or this country. Loop Mogul was a global uh, global company. You can reach so many different people in the world. Uh, so kind of take us through where, how far stretch your outreach can go uh, and how far these athletes can really, you know, make them, them brand themselves uh, throughout the world. Yeah. So, so one of the key things, uh, so right now we have 65 million plus outreach worldwide. And that's again, just, we are just starting. Um, but one of the main things with NBA as a brand or basketball as a brand um, there are fans all over the world, whether you look at China, whether you look at India, whether you look at Qatar, uh, whether you look at um, uh, Romania, for example, George Morrison, right? Europe, right? So the, uh, the basketball is one game, I would say almost, um, in my view, bigger than um, the soccer, even though the numbers may be different. There's so much fan base, loyal fan base, that not only you get tremendous exposure in US, which is what we do, but also in Europe and also in Asia um, and then Middle East, right? So between all those major continents, we are getting tremendous traction personally. But going back to your audience and your athletes, this is where as a local brand, right? When we build your character, you may have some specific moves. And right now, Korslia uh, is already bringing in some of the, even the street ball players that you, you are a street ball, but you may have um, tremendous uh, capability that you may have done a dunk move. That move can become an NFT. That can be a game character that can be used inside a game. And you can just, based on that one move, you can be minting thousands or millions of dollars, right? Because the worldwide people wants to look at those specific things that, that, that are very unique and and with basketball, I think basketball is one game, I feel, that unites the world uh, because everybody loves basketball. And, and I, coming from India, I can tell you, like uh, growing up, right, we all were uh, thinking about Magic Johnson, right? We wanted to play against him, right? That was one idol. Um, then now, obviously, when you talk to many of our developers and Coastly and LG talks to them on a daily basis, they're all the fanatics of the 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 basketball players right 
they they know more about basketball than i do or many of us do they they are like nerds but they're statistical nerd and many any time uh you you push a, a stats or, a, or an nft card right they know exactly stats of every single trading card so because that's the passion the, the basketball has worldwide uh and this platform obviously is giving that but uh, but ultimately uh you as a brand think about an athlete as a brand or your audience as a brand wants to reach out worldwide you should be on the metaverse um and i'm i'm not just say pitching ourselves if you find a right metaverse that fits your needs you should evaluate that and be on that global platform because that's where you're going to gain gain global audience i just think uh this is this is the future this is what is uh the future looks like um we talked about it like uh almost baseball cards like i grew up collecting baseball cards and that was something that was a huge hobby of mine we used to ride our bikes to the baseball card shop and when you look at it you know it's you have these all these you know different baseball cards which i still have yep exactly <laughs> zach levine and you have these cards and you know they're all sitting there and there's so much value in them and there's so much excitement and that is what you know the, the future is with this digital world and uh what loop mogul is offering and it's uh it's i'm super excited to be part of this i think you know this is just going to be a really cool opportunity for athletes to brand themselves and to build their income uh when they're still playing and uh you know we talked to lg who was kind of you know the star of this uh, who's now has these this this incredible opportunities uh, still to play and you know b improve his basketball career because he's you know young and still has the, that time but still being able to be part of that uh, is just tremendous and I'm very excited to be part of this Loop Mogul family and and have this uh, opportunity uh, for myself as well uh, going forward. So last question, LG. Because, you know, there's, I'm wearing, I'm rocking the, the Daddy Shark shirt today. Uh, you know, the girl dad is, is a real thing. Uh, it's, it's just a tremendous, I know a lot of people are like, I'll have boys. I like girls better. They're just, they just, they listen better. I don't, uh, I, and I just think it's just, it's something like my, my daughter listens to everything I say. And I'm like, okay, we have practice today. She's like, dad, let's go out and shoot. Like I was, if I had a, like I wasn't like I was like if I had a son, they'd probably be you know sitting there playing PlayStation. My daughter wants to go. So LG, girl, dad, how did life change for you when that when that happened? Uh, I mean, man, <laughs> it it changed tremendously, man. Um, my daughter, that's that's my everything. That's my twin. Looked just like me. Her memory. <laughs> um. I already got her playing basketball on little Fisher Price hoops. She definitely gonna be around the game. All we watch on TV is basketball when she eating. So, you know, but um, like, man, it's just a life-changing experience, man. I think for me is um I truly cherish and and I I truly feel like my best job is making sure and I'm with my daughter and spending time with her. Like that's the best job is like just being a father. And being able to look at this this child and like look at her like wow like I have to really teach her right from wrong like they just come into the world just not knowing you know what I'm saying it's like you got to really watch how you move like you have to really set the example for them show them how to work hard how to treat people the right way you know what I'm saying like 
teaching her manners. Like she's one years old and she already learned, you know what I'm saying? She's starting to talk and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Just teaching her different, different things, man. I just truly cherish it for me. Um, so back in, back in August, um, so actually my, my daughter was born um, February 3rd, uh, 2021. And um, so six months later, my dad actually had passed away, you know what I'm saying? So in August, and so he was only able to really see my daughter for like six months, you know, but I, I thank God that I was able to see my dad. I, th I thank God like he was able to see me become a father. You know what I'm saying? Like that really meant a lot to him and for me to really cherish and hold on to that. Like I'll never forget that feeling of him holding my daughter, seeing him smile, play with her, you know what I'm saying? And, and me not knowing, obviously, we never know. Nobody knows. But six months later that, you know, I, I became a father. And six months later, I lost my father, you know, and on top of a whole lot of other things going on, you know, it just was it was tough. But my daughter, man, she kept me kept me going. Like that was like God gave me her for a reason, like a true blessing with all the things that I was experiencing in life. The you know, when through all the, the dark clouds, it was just this, this ray of light, which is my daughter. She brought so much positivity to us, you know, and that's the motivation, you know, that's why I'm I'm affiliated with somebody, like with, with a company such as Lou Mogul. That's why I'm working on other streams of income. That's why I'm working to get my mind right and, and get my body right to get back on the court, you know, cause I gotta, I got somebody depending on me. And I, I think about that every day I wake up, you know, it's a true blessing, man. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. Definitely a girl or dad. Love my daughter, man. It's just, it's the best feeling. <laughs> I think, you know, you, kind of wrapping it up, I think, you know, family is such an important word. Uh, and you talked about your family and, you know, the the struggles, but also the the triumphs that you guys have, have gone through. And, uh, you know, that's a family. And I think, you know, with, with what is going on here with Lou Mogo and, you know, Overseas Famous and uh, we have this this family connection and, uh, you know, that's what it is. I think uh, when you have something, a business where you do feel like a family, that's that's very important. I think this is a super cool thing. Uh, you know, I'm very excited that we were all able to hop on the pod today and talk about this. Raj, Corsley, LG. Uh, this is a tremendous, tremendous thing. And I think, you know, there's some we had some touching moments, but I definitely uh, love the fact that this is a global pro, global thing and it's really getting out there. And, you know, like you said, I mean, there's millions, like millions and millions of people and it's just scratching the surface. So very excited to see where Loop Bogo is going. LG, I'm very excited to see where your career is going as well, because you have great opportunities, uh, you know, with with whatever you're going to do overseas basketball things like that and going into uh the next season we're, we're obviously excited for your future and uh excited to build this growth with loop mogul and uh guys it's been a pleasure thanks for having us man i appreciate it thanks. yeah thanks for having us thanks ko for sure man yeah. you, know, you, you know you're the man with the you the boss man with that with that <laughs> Podcast, bro. I won't say too much. I don't have no pause moments. <laughs> no, so this is, it's it's a lot of fun, uh, and we're excited for this partnership. And uh, everyone, this has been the Overseas Famous Podcast. Uh, myself, Kevin Owens, Raj, Course. Uh, LG, thank you guys for, so much for listening. Thanks for watching. Subscribe. Check out Loop Mogul. We'll have, you know, click those links and uh, follow, sign up, and uh, we'll go from there. Can't wait to be part of this. Thanks.
Thanks. and overseas famous podcast out.